Right at the Fork is made possible by Zupan's Markets. Visit them online at zupans.com and by Ringside Steakhouse. Book reservations on the Open Table app or on ringsidesteakhouse.com. All right, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. This is Right at the Fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. I'm co-host Court Johnson on what is definitely a different podcast for us, something that we have never planned for, we've never done, but something we felt we needed to respond and react to. Many people here in Portland, Portland Food Scene and the industry became aware of the passing of Sarah Pliner earlier this week after she was tragically struck by a vehicle on her way to work. Um, this was uh, Tuesday of this week. Uh, definitely a huge loss was felt within the community. Uh, people talking about it on social media, uh, talking it amongst themselves. Uh, people uh, within the industry that uh, had actually never really gotten to know Sarah all that well, but respected her and, and respected what she was about and what she did, uh, commenting on her life. Um, we have the great fortunate um, opportunity to chat with our friend Gary Okazaki, who is uh, w- is a friend of Sarah. He struck a uh, conversation with her years ago and became friends with her and they would go out and have meals together and got to know each other a little better. So we felt it uh, appropriate and probably the most appropriate of, of anybody that we've ever had here on the podcast for Gary to join us to talk about Sarah, what uh, she meant to him, what she was like, and what the loss truly means to the Portland food scene. So um, uh, we put this together actually uh, just yesterday, Chris Angelis uh, joining us from Madrid, uh, me from my daughter's bedroom, because that's where I s- seem to end up these days, and Gary for, from his home as uh, Gary and, and Chris discuss the passing of Sarah Pliner. We uh, hope you enjoy the conversation. It meanders a little bit. There is some baseball thrown in there. I have to give you a heads up on that just because uh, – both uh, Gary and Chris are, are huge baseball fans, and they, they can't help themselves, but uh, uh, a definite tribute, and there's some really great insight in here. Gary shares some really great stories that uh, um, were touching to me about uh, things that he observed and some experiences that he had with Sarah. So here it is, our uh, Remembering Sarah Pliner episode of the podcast here on Right at the Fork. Eight o'clock is the beginning of the dinner hour here, as you probably know, Gary, in Madrid. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what, Chris? I didn't know if you were back yet. Oh. No, I'm in Madrid. That's awesome that you can do this while you're away. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Have you spent much time in Madrid? I have not. Oh, okay. I never ended up getting there. Yeah, well, every time I've come, it's been a whirlwind for me. This is the first time I've been able to stop and enjoy it and it is i love it and i didn't know i the previous two times i wouldn't have said i loved it but now i do so great i can't wait to come back here with you and show you what i've learned i actually had a meal today that just reminded me of you and i took all the pictures great it was it was at a great little sushi place and um so i sat down i thought i was just going to order a few pieces of sushi and they told me we have the 13 uh, 13 um, course Mikasa. menu, yes, and the 19 or 17. Yep. Anyway, it was, it was pretty great. So, and it, it turned out I didn't even know it, it was a one star Michelin restaurant. I just 
serves sushi near me, and that's okay. what I got. So, um, how are you? Uh, you know, I found out, you know, two nights ago, Jasper called up, and initially I, I said, are you kidding? I mean, he wouldn't, I mean, obviously. Hold on, before you, go, before you go too far into it, we kind of need to explain what you're talking about. Oh, I'm you sorry, we're just... recording? I didn't know if we were recording. Okay. No, yeah. we're recording, but okay. um, but let's let's go into it. So, you can do Gary, we wanted to, yeah, well, we wanted to speak with you because, uh, actually, I got a call from Wayne Garcia at KPTV or a text last night asking to talk to me about um, Sarah Pliner's death. And I said, I think Gary's the guy you want to talk to more than me. I had limited interaction with Sarah. She was always very nice to me um, uh, and gracious. And, of course, her food was fantastic. We're talking about Sarah Pliner who uh, yesterday, I guess, I'm in Madrid, so you're in Portland. It was yesterday, right? It was Tuesday, Tuesday, it was Tuesday at 11.49 a.m. 11.49. So she was, uh, well, I'll let you explain it, Gary. You know more than I do, but uh, uh, it's very unfortunate that we're, that this week our podcast is going to be talking uh, about Sarah Pliner and sharing Gary's thoughts, since you know her very well. So... Go ahead, Gary. Tell us what you learned, how you learned it, and uh, then I want you to talk a little bit about what you know about Sarah. Okay. Uh, I got a call on Tuesday night around 6 p.m. from Jasper Shen, who was one of the original co-owners, along with Sarah Pliner and Kat Whitehead, which is Jasper's wife. And Jasper said, Gary, you've got some news. And he said, what? I said, what? And he said, Sarah died today. And I said, what? Yeah. So I said, are you kidding? Not that he, I mean, I just was, in, I got hit like a ton of bricks. He said, no, uh, she got hit by a semi. And I said, oh my God, I was just, I was just uh, watching the news about a bicyclist who had been hit by a semi near Cleveland High School on Powell Boulevard. And I said, Oh, so that that was Sarah, and she said, "Yeah, that was Sarah." And so, I, I like, I was in shock. I mean, you just don't ex expect it, and yeah, I mean, and I, I didn't really say anything to anyone on Tuesday night because I checked the news, and the bicyclist hadn't been named at the time, so I just kept my mouth shut. I told a couple of my friends who sort of knew her. And uh, on Wednesday morning, you uh, texted me and said, I'm so sorry. I mean, this Sarah passed away. And you showed me the, 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 the link that Lisa, that Lisa Schroeder had uh, Facebooked about it, which linked to a Bike Portland account of naming the bicyclist who, who had passed away. Because I didn't want to say anything until until it was public knowledge and of course right so originally when i was told that i i it didn't really sink in, sink in until it really hit me the next morning that you know sarah sarah was 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 dead i mean when she woke up that morning going to Bluto's to work for rick i'm sure i mean you don't think you won't make it to 
the restaurant, you just think, oh, this is like another normal day of work. Just taking my bicycle and just and just going there. And she didn't make it. Like, it, like she does different? every day. Yeah. yeah. No, I heard. I, I was mean, on. Uh, I posted a little something on Facebook today. And Jolene Rutherford, who works for Nikki USA, had said she just had a conversation with her that morning before I it happened. That. So that's yeah. that's got to be very tough. It's got to be, it's tough for a lot of people. But how about Rick Giancarelli? And I read this, so I didn't hear this firsthand. But he, he's waiting for her to come to work. And she's a very uh, punctual, reliable person. And he went over to her house to thinking that she might be in there. And she didn't show up. I'm sure I, I sent him a little note and I just got back a very short acknowledgement Um so everybody's devastated. A lot of people are devastated. She touched a lot of people, and I think that you can talk about it, but one of the things that struck me is that she was always very, very humble. She wasn't looking for the limelight. As a matter of fact, you know, I think a lot of people thought aviary, they, they weren't really aware that aviary's food was really hers all along, and that's, but you probably have more insight into that, um, but she wasn't looking for the limelight. She never wanted a lot of uh, publicity. She just liked to be a great chef and be a good person, too. Well, she, she was very introverted. Um, I, I don't, as far as I know, she didn't have a lot of friends. We became uh, closer once Jasper and Kat had moved on. And, like, Sarah and I would go out to dinner or lunch together. So I got to know her. And she talked about her family, and I talked about my family. And it, it became a, a casual relationship, and I, I enjoyed her company. Unfortunately, during the pandemic, uh, you know, we just became more distant. Aviary closed, and it's one of those things. And, I, and part of my feeling the next day after hearing of her passing was regret, was guilt that I didn't get a chance to, I don't know, I mean, to, to, to I don't know, re re repair the friendship is too strong of a word, but, you know, reconnect with her. And that, that I saw her at Pluto's, but that's not I think the I think the word you're looking for is sustain, to yeah. sustain the, the friendship. Yeah, yeah, or just reconnect, because we, we hadn't seen each other for a couple of years, even though I did see our Pluto's this year, which was nice. And I know that, in a perfect world, she she wanted a small restaurant. Once the aviary closed, she always wanted a, a small restaurant, you know, 15 to 20 seats, where there isn't a lot of staff around, where it's just her, maybe one other person in, a, uh, in the kitchen, plus maybe a server. That would have been perfect for Sarah, because she, she was a control freak. She liked she she liked to have her hands on everything. She wanted every plate that went out went out. She wished that she could have made it herself, but given aviary size, she she couldn't do that. And that's you know because she was such a perfectionist. You know she it was hard for her sometimes, and she because she was also an introvert. Sometimes it was hard to get the communication between the staff and Sarah, where it, maybe things broke down. Because I mean, but she was so talented. And I think it was important to get that communication there. And, you know, she, she, I think she tried to improve it over the years. Even I, even I got, I, one time I remember 
helping her out in the kitchen, where I was taking the beans out of their pods and putting in the bowl. And she knows that, obviously she knows I, I don't work for her, but she admonished me the way I was doing it. So she tried to teach, because I don't cook. I don't know anything. I barely know how to boil water. So she, she admonished me for the way I was taking the beans out of the pod. So she showed me the right way to do it. And I tried. I tried. I wasn't very good at it. But I got I got the sense of what it was like to work for Sarah. But she was an incredibly gifted chef. She she was able to take a lot of ingredients that you don't think may work in a dish. But she, she'd create cohesive dishes. And what was interesting is that she, in New York City, she worked for the finest fine dining restaurants in the country, like Alain Ducasse at the Essex House and George Mendez's Aldea, Aldea. So she learned these French techniques there, and she brought those techniques to Portland, and she created a menu that was her very own, which is more Asian-inspired. Like she'd do a crab mushi. She did a crispy pig ear dish with coconut rice and Chinese sausage. One of my favorite dishes for her, from her was a humbao that had foie gras. That was absolutely mother effing god delicious. I could I could never have more than three at one sitting because they were just so rich and decadent. <laughs> uh, there was also a four cup chicken dish uh, that I also probably had more than any other dish um, in the in my one hundred fifty plus times at Aviary. I was there for the first customer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you were you were first customer in a lot of places. Did Jasper Shen have influence over some of that? The fact that those dishes had Asian influence on them, or yeah, mostly. You know, you know, I've never really asked Jasper that. I think toward toward the end of his tenure at Aviary, Jasper actually there was a pop up, which was Jasper's, and you know he took what he did that in that pop up, and he moved it over. To XL, and he created XLB from that pop-up. He always wanted to do something like that. And Sarah gave him the opportunity to get to create the you know the structure to do to do an X, XLB like pop-up. And Jasper's eminently successful as a restaurateur and co-owner of XLB. And I think working with Sarah probably in a small way or maybe a medium way or a larger way helped shape what XLB is today. I don't know what how much impact it had on him. Maybe none. But I think a, at least a little bit, you would think. Because uh, Sarah was really, really talented. I mean, she was a James Beard semifinalist for three years from 2015 to 2017. And since I'm no longer a James Beard judge, I quit in 2020. I can say, because what are they going to do? Fire me? So no, I was I was a James Beard judge during that time. I thought she I thought she was um, I thought she was worthy of that of those accolades. Uh, yeah, and then a Willamette Week Restaurant of the Year in 2012. So she she had her cooking chops, and I would have loved to have tried her small restaurant uh, if if it came to fruition. Yeah, I had heard that was something was in the works. So I found out. After she'd been at Bluto's working for Rick Giancarelli for quite a while, that she was. But I'll tell you, some of the highest praise that I read today was from, uh, you know, her years at the Heathman, working for Philippe Lowe, who's a very talented man, and I'm sure I know very disciplined. Any, any uh, excellent French chef has 
very high standards and a lot of discipline. And he he uh, he said that she may have been the most talented chef we had in Portland. I believe I'm I'm paraphrasing there, but that was what I got out of his comments. Yeah, I think it was kind of like, I mean, to say she's Michael Jordan, maybe that's stretching it a bit. But you know how Michael Jordan always was really tough on his teammates, right? Steve Kerr, Scotty Pittman, he'd always yell at them and chastise them. But in order to just make them better, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. he won six six NBA championships. And and I I know, like I said, I think she, she tried to get better at the communication aspect. But I, she was always, she did have a really, really good heart. And away from the kitchen, she was incredibly nice and generous. And, I, and I got, I'm glad I got to see that, to see the times that we spent, to remember the times we spent eating a meal at uh, Bahuna or St. Jack on Northwest 23rd. Uh, she was, she had her warm side and it was, it was nice to see. And maybe when you're a chef growing up in a, you know, French brigade system, you can't, you can't show weakness. You have to be tough, especially being a woman. You have to be extra tough. You have to be tougher than the guys. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah. No. And she, uh, she stayed out of the fray as far as I know. And, and, you know, I have read and you just mentioned that she was tough, but you, I didn't hear a lot of complaints about Sarah, uh, you know, in the industry, I didn't, you know, so she, I think I'm guessing that a lot of people who worked for her just respected how disciplined she was and how excellent she was. I know that, you know, I did, I, I used to say, I say it all the time, you know, this Gary and court, both of you, I wish it. I, I often said, Oh, I went to aviary last night and I'm so sorry. I didn't, I don't go there more often. And that aviary was the probably the place I said that more often, but I left it to you with 150 plus visits to, uh, to patronize. So she just wanted the best for the people working for her and for the diner. And she wanted every dish that went out of the kitchen to be the best that it could be. But no one knew better what the dish was supposed to be than Sarah. And, you know, it's tough when other people are also having to help realize that goal too. If it's just her, you know, doing everything, that's why I was curious how, what, what a restaurant would be like with just her doing everything in the kitchen. Mm. Cause her dishes were, they were, they were gorgeously plated. They were absolutely the, the best of the ABA dishes were absolutely amazing. I know you don't like that word. Fantastic. Stupendous. Oh, and I, hey, listen, I like amazing right now. We can we can mention the okay. der- you know, the the connotation with the New York Mets, but we can talk about that later and it's not a good day to discuss that. Good day for I me. thought maybe we Oh yeah. Right, it's a good day I, for oh, you, I, but I, I, yeah, I get it. Well, yeah. No, no, no. It's not a bad day for me I know, I for know. the Mets either. We're going to discuss that after the Mets crush the, crush the Braves, then we'll get together and have that conversation in the okay. playoffs. Okay. But, but, um, <laughs> but I don't remember how we got there just now. How did we, how did we, uh, talking about, about Sarah being amazing. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Mets, sorry. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Leave it to me to leave it to me to find a good way to get off topic quick. Well, you're in Madrid. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm on it. 
I've been up all day. You haven't. So, um, I get I've, been, I've, I've, been been eat, I've been eating. I've been eating for 23 days, and I had to guide to not had to. I got to guide, not necessarily guide, but host 20 people eating for a long period of time. So, I'm just relaxing now. But at any rate, I was very sad to read this news uh, all the way in Madrid. Um, you know, you try to get away. When I try to get, when I get away, I try to stay away from the news. But you just take a peek, and it's been everywhere today. Every, I a lot was, of people are posting about it. I thought she was indestructible. I mean, I told this story before, but she she didn't drive, so she always had to bike. And like at in a, at Avery, obviously there were late nights. Almost every night they were open. It was a late night, and she would bike regardless of the weather. Rain, snow, and she, ice, and she would. She, so if she lived over uh, near Powell, where it happened. Right. That's not a short. That's not a short ride to no, Aviary. Not. That's a long ride, man. And here's, I don't know. This is not a popular thing to say to a, a lot of Portlanders, but I've always been concerned about people I know and love on the streets of Portland riding bikes because my feeling has always been two things. With everybody looking at cell phones now, it's a dangerous, yeah. it could get dangerous. And secondly, I've always felt this. It's way easier for a pedestrian or a bike to see a car than it is for a car to see either of those two, uh, you know, a pedestrian or someone biking. And I've always thought that. I hate to hear something like this. I certainly wouldn't want some of my thoughts to be proven to anybody, especially someone we know and love, but I, you know, it's a little scary out there. And it was, but it didn't know. happen. It didn't happen in the rain at night. That's what I thought would happen to Sarah. Like I was worried for her. I told her, Oh God, you're biking at like 12 PM or excuse me, 12 AM at night. It's crazy. And this happened at 1149 AM on a sunny day on Powell Boulevard, which okay. I mean, it just it boggles the mind. I can't believe it. But, that's life, isn't it? Like you just you just never know if you're going to make it to the end of the day, right? No, and it, and it points out what you said before. You know, get in touch with and think about anybody that you care about in the slightest, and stay in touch because you don't want something like this to happen, and then feel that oh my god, I never, I went a couple of years without talking, and um, or or say what yeah. or, or you know to all the listeners out there. You know, you say what you need to to the people closest to you before because you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I had to do that recently, and it's 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 good to do that to to say what you need to say, just in case something happens, regardless of the ramifications, positive or negative. Right. Well, I don't think you necessarily have to go the negative route uh, for well, this the, reason. Well, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of had a negative outcome, and that's life. Right, but yes, if you want to, if you want to live a positive, you know, one of the things I picked up from people on this trip is a lot of positivity, and I can tend to find the negative in a lot of situations. And I think I've really found that if you just approach things, look at things in the most positive way possible, you're you train your mind to do that. So what I'm saying is. With regard to regret that you mentioned that you have, 
um, and not being in touch with Sarah for a while. You know, that's, you only, I'm sure, had positive things to say to her, and that's why you yeah, regret it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, wouldn't yeah. regret it if you didn't get to no, say, no, no, you know, no, no, something no. I meant, I meant you say happened to somebody. To, no, I meant you right. say what you need to say to the people that you like or love and how they take that information. It could be positively or negatively. I mean, you just don't right. know what the outcome's going to be. You, some people don't say anything because they're worried about a possible negative reaction from that other person. And you can't worry about that because if you don't say it and they pass or whatever, you're going to regret it. You know? Well, that's true. And we live in a community where people are very understated and don't talk, don't say what they mean a lot. And so I think that carries on to actually expressing oneself. Uh, you know, I find the East coast is a lot better for people saying what they mean and, and expressing what's on their mind than uh, the West Coast or Portland is, I think. I, that doesn't mean that nobody is, but I think generally speaking, it's conventional wisdom that Portlanders are kind of, you know, they don't want to rock the boat at all. Is that true? Yes. I have a friend who's completely opposite. This person doesn't care what people think about them and will say whatever's on their mind. It's amazing. I, I have utmost respect for this person. I've tried to take the lead and learn from this person and I've been more forthcoming recently with p other people and it's been good you know it's it's freeing it's relief I wish I could have done that with Sarah and I, I'm going I'm going to miss her and that's on me you know it's on me well listen she wouldn't want it to be on you I don't think I don't know, Sarah, but I, I don't think you should be too hard on yourself there. You had a good friendship with her. And, you know, there aren't a lot of, there aren't a lot of non-industry people that take it upon themselves to befriend chefs and go out and eat with them. You happen, you know, Sarah isn't the only industry person that you're friends with that you go out and dine with. But you pick and choose. You, you don't just go out with anybody. You don't even right. go out with me. So... Uh, <laughs> but it, but I, I do remember I I will always have those memories of aviary. It, the first couple of years of aviary's existence was so much fun. Like I, I it was my family. It was it was you know for a few years as you know. Once Jasper and Cat left, it was a different sort of vibe. Not surprisingly, it was like my family was gone. They moved away. And right. two-thirds of my family moved away. But uh, I, I will always have those incredible, incredible memories of not just the food, but of the people. Right. I'll have a memory of we had an event planned with them when uh, their fire hit. July 4th. And so we had a, yeah, we, we, I think we were planned for like July I don't remember when it was, but it wasn't something where it was right around the corner, but we had, we were planning it. But at any rate, I remember that. But let's, let's also mention, you know, you mentioned Jasper Shen, who has found success with XLB. But, you know, the first time I ever went to Aviary, I walked outside and there was a little food cart outside and I had some strawberry balsamic ice cream and thought, wow, what is this? And so I don't know how much Sarah had to do with that, but Aviary <coughs> could, 
<clears throat> certainly claimed some responsibility for well, the fact that Salt and Straw got up and running the way they did. And Salt and Straw, uh, by any measure, is at least one of the most successful operations that ever that ever started in Portland in, in the food industry. Yeah, I was their first customer too. I mean, and I think in the the relationship might have been might have been Nate. I don't know Nate's last name, but Nate owns owns the Salt and Straw building where you know where Salt and Straw is on now on Northeast Alberta. He also owns or owned the aviary where aviary is housed too. So maybe there was a connection mm-hmm. that way with Nate just saying, "Hey, I have a client who's making ice cream. Can they come over and?" Hang out by your entrance of aviary. Yeah, there was a British. Which, guy. by the way, there was a British. It's a gracious thing for for all the folks at Aviary to say yes because I would. I think they serve dessert, so it's maybe a disincentive for someone to order dessert when there's ice cream sitting right outside. I know I would like that. Let's go outside and have some ice cream. So anyway, that. That's one of my earliest memories there, too. And it's pretty cool, you know, to have that memory. There are a lot of people who just moved here three years ago and learned of Salt and Straw, never knew of Aviary. And these are, you know, of course, the the roots of the Portland food world go way further back than that. But in the last, well, 12 years, 13 years, that's pretty significant history there. And uh, it's sad. So Aviary closed because of the pandemic, or was it just about time for that to happen? I think probably it was a combination of both. I don't know. I don't know for sure if, if the pandemic was the only reason. I do think there was a variety of reasons. I think, as you know, restaurants have their cycle of existence, and maybe it was just, and very few. I mean, nine years is a long time. I mean, that's like dog years. Is that 63 dog years? I mean, so right. every restaurant has. Most, you know, 99.9% of the restaurants will be like Ubers and Jake's. 99.9% of the restaurants eventually close, right? So maybe it was just time for her. Well, plus, as you said, that wasn't necessarily the op- the optimal situation for her. She wanted some, maybe something a little smaller and right. more manageable. And, you know, when she opened it, she opened it with three people who all moved from New York together to say let's do this thing in portland and uh you know when after nine years of that she must have thought to herself i think i'd like something a little different and perhaps that might have been a better setup for her or also sometimes people just want a little change nine years of the same thing is uh is a lot especially when you're working that hard in a kitchen day in and day out that's a lot the, I think one thing that most people probably don't know about Sarah is that she's her family is part of a shoe dynasty. Did you know that? No. Tell us a little bit about her family. I don't I know. know I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's only cursory knowledge. I mean, because we talk about this over meals. But her her father is Elliot Pliner, who's br- and he was in the shoe business along with Elliot's brother is Donald Pliner who is a very well-known shoe person, shoemaker, shoe designer. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen Pliner shoes. I didn't know there was a correlation there. Yes, that's Sarah's uncle, Donald. Okay. Yeah, so she was part, but she had no desire to to pursue that that avenue. She came here, mm. she came here to go to Reed College. 
that's how she ended up in right. Oregon. Yeah, that's that's no passive thing. You have to. That's a very active. Um, you know, you're you're not just coming to Portland to go. Ooh, that seems cool. Right. Um, Reed, Reed College is serious shit. So. And she's to get into Reed. She had, you know, you have to be incredibly bright, and she was incredibly right. bright. You could see it in his, in her cooking. You could you could. You could see it when you could hear it when you talked to her, albeit she she was like I said, she's very introverted. She 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 didn't really warm up to that many people, and I consider myself grateful that I was one of the people she warmed up to. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss so, her. So when you when you were together, were you carrying the conversations, or were did she no. share a lot with you? <laughs> no, I I have friends who are very quiet, but. But she, no, no, that's the funny thing, that out of the kitchen, uh, she was much warmer, and she she was talkative. Yeah, she was very talkative. What did, what did she talkative. like she to talk talkative. about? Pardon? Did she, did she like to talk about the industry, or, or fa- you know, what did, she, what did she most like to talk about? And did you hear about, other than wanting, perhaps, you know, what she wanted to open as far as restaurants, did she have any unrealized dreams that you're aware of? I don't, I not, not, not really. Other than she wanted, other than what I just told you about having a smaller restaurant, that was her, seemed to be her ultimate dream. And it, you know, who knows how close she was to realizing that dream. But like, you know, Jolene Rutherford said, I, you know, she said that if I remember correctly, Jolene said that Sarah did have a space lined up. Didn't she, didn't Jolene mm-hmm. say that? My, I, I don't know. I don't want to put any words in Jolene's mouth. But I thought that's what I read in her Instagram post to me. Right. So if that I had gotten hint, hints that that was in the making because uh, I know I had, I believe, I could be just dreaming this, but I had a conversation with Rick Ciancarelli about uh, an event and he mentioned Sarah and he talked to Sarah about it and came back and said something that she couldn't commit that far out if she didn't know what was going to be going on. I think that's... It was something to that effect. Was might not have been exactly that, but at any rate, yeah, um, she wasn't an event person anyway. She she didn't really want to, as far as I know, she wasn't at a lot of events. Uh, the one time I did I remember telling you about the story about the beans. If I remember correctly, that that was an event. It was a Feast Portland event with Ari Tamor from Los Angeles, and she she'd mm-hmm. also do. I also remember this this event. That was really kind of fun. And it was a hair metal event at Aviary. And so, you know, people dressed up like 80s rockers. And and uh, it was Sarah, Gabriel Rucker, Aaron Barnett. I think those were the yeah. three chefs doing the collaborative dinner at Aviary, calling it a hair metal event. I don't think Aaron or Gabriel dressed up, but other Aviary people did dress up that night. Well, that was in her restaurant too. I was yeah. really thinking about. It. I don't remember seeing her at outside events very often. No, um, no, she would. If she had to do it, she would do it just to help with business. But yeah, I can't remember too mm-hmm. many outside events. If there, there were a couple inside Aviary, and I'm sure she did some Feast Portland events throughout the years. But I can't remember other than the Ari Tamar one, which was at Aviary. But yeah, she she just liked being at her house, puttering around with her cats and she loved uh, being at the restaurant. That was yeah. 
Well, that's good. Well, listen, Gary, I really appreciate And Court, hi. You haven't really chimed in much here today, but it's always nice to see your face here on the podcast. But I wanted to, Gary, thank you for taking your time out for doing this. You know, there are a lot, as the day went on, there, I realized there are a lot of people that probably would have a lot to say about Sarah. I know Rick Giancarelli has been working with her for the last, I don't know how long, six yeah. months, a year since yeah. Pluto opened. Yeah, and so Pluto's opened. And, uh, and you know, someone like Jolene did business with her all the time, too. So there are a lot of people that could comment on Sarah and her life from different angles. But um, you have an interesting perspective. And I think... Uh, it's, it's, I'm sure she would, I'm sure, I'm guessing if she were here, she wouldn't, she'd be happy that you were the person talking about her. I don't know so. if that sounds ridiculous or not, but, um, you know, it's good that she had friends like you, especially when you're so busy and you put so much into your work. So thanks for doing that. And thanks for sharing a little bit of, uh, your memories and, uh, of, of Sarah. Thank you for letting me, and thank you, Court, for making the arrangements and engineering. And thank you, Chris, from Madrid. Yeah, so I, I thought of you, as I said, I thought of you today, and we will have to talk baseball, but let's see what happens over the next week, and then okay. we'll talk baseball. If, 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 if I'm not mistaken, just quickly, not long ago you were telling me that the Mets had a clear edge going into this. And didn't I say anything can happen? Of you were course, right. I'm, I'm shocked. I, I'm absolutely shocked yeah. that the Braves beat DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett in a three-game series. If you would have told me they would have swept those three in a three-game series with everything on the line, I would have said, you're effing crazy. And yeah. No, I don't think many people would have expected that. And now you look at it, and all it would have taken was one win from the Mets. One. To well, flip everything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One or well, the, the Braves. The, the, the last game didn't mean anything to the Braves. They would have started Max Reed in the last game against the Marlins if it meant everything. Instead, they they sent out Jackson Stevens, who's a reliever. So we did it the night before. Well, I, I, would, I wouldn't want it to go down to the last game of the season, you know, with Matt, Max Reed on short game, short day rest. So you know, we did it the day before, so it was clinched. Well, I said it before, and I'll say it again. Playoffs are coming up, and anything can happen, and that's what—that's why they play the games. It's yeah, not Padres, it's Padres, not, Padres, and Mets are going to be a very good series because the Mets' biggest strength is they have six good to amazing starters. The Padres have three very, very good starters. So we'll right. see. We'll see how a three-game series against the Padres go. All right. Well, that was how you and I interpreted not talking about this for a few weeks. So. Um, <laughs> but it's hard not to, you know, when you're a passionate sports fan, baseball fan, anybody listening out there, if the Blazers were in the same situation, it'd be hard not to talk about it. Or the Timbers. Sorry. Got to pay the Timbers a little respect. But at any rate, um, uh, we'll have, uh, we'll, we'll reflect a little bit on, on Sarah's life, and we're all sorry she's no longer with us. Yeah. Rest in peace, Sarah. 
Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Oh, 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 o